following sermon was delivered at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. Have you ever encountered someone who had a life-changing experience? Maybe you yourself have been one of these people. People get very passionate about things that change their life. They, they enjoy telling others about it. You might have encountered someone who went on a new diet and it made them feel better and they wanted you to know all about it. You may have encountered someone who went on a new exercise regimen. Uh, think people who do CrossFit. They get very passionate about that thing which has changed their life. Something which maybe hits a little closer to home, uh, those of you who grew up outside of the Reformed tradition and when you finally came to an understanding of the doctrines of grace, perhaps you became one of those cage stage Calvinists. Someone who is very passionate about telling everyone all about God's grace. Now why is it that people do things like that? Why is it that we get so passionate? I think probably the biggest reason is that everyone loves to tell other people about how we have been changed or, or improved. And not just that we have been changed and improved, we want others to receive that same change. It's helped us. We would like to see other people receive that. And David does the same thing here in Psalm 32. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David writes Psalm 32 from personal experience to teach you, dear saints, that you should seek the blessing of full, free, and life-changing forgiveness. That is what Psalm 32 teaches us, that you should seek the blessing of full, free, and life-changing forgiveness, which, of course, is found in Christ. We can look at this psalm under three headings. First, seeking the blessing of full forgiveness in verses 1 and 2. Second, the blessing of free forgiveness in verses 3 through 7. And third, the blessing of life-changing forgiveness, verses 8 through 11. So let us look then at verses 1 and 2, which show us that we ought to seek the blessing of full forgiveness. Verse 1, our, our text begins, How blessed is he? How blessed is the man? This is no mere bland introduction or statement. This is an exclamation of joy, an exclamation somewhat of surprise, of great hope. David says, the man whose transgression is forgiven is very blessed. Not a little bit blessed. Not mildly blessed. It's how blessed is the man. Perhaps if you were very familiar with the Psalter, you can think to that very first psalm in which we read, How blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight 
is in the law of the Lord. That man whose delight is in the law of the Lord is very blessed. Psalm 1 describes the blessing of that man. And yet here in Psalm 32, we learn of another blessed man. A man who perhaps at one point did not delight in the law of God. I think quite obviously did not delight in the law of God because he has something that needs to be forgiven. He needs full forgiveness. David says, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Notice there that David uses three different words to talk about those sins, those things that we need deliverance from. We need transgression to be forgiven. That is our sins of rebellion, our sins of commission, breaking the law of God. We need forgiveness from that, for those sins of commission. And yet, David does not say that's the only thing that is forgiven. He says, how blessed is the man whose sin is covered. How blessed is that man whose sins of omission are covered. And not only that, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Iniquity being those sinful desires, that twisted nature of ours. David says, the man who is blessed does not have just forgiveness of one of these things. He has forgiveness from all of these things, a full forgiveness a complete forgiveness. How dreadful would it be, dear saints, if you only had forgiveness for one of those things? How dreadful would it be to only have forgiveness for sins of commission? But that is not the kind of forgiveness that we have in Christ. David says here that the man who is blessed has forgiveness for all three things. This is full forgiveness. This comes from God in Christ. The blessed man, the man whose sins are forgiven in Christ, which raises a question here. You should examine your own heart. You should examine your own life. Here in this psalm, we see that that blessed man has forgiveness from all three of these Things, what of you? Are you the blessed man? Have you received forgiveness from God in Christ? Have you received forgiveness for your sins of commission, your sins of omission? Have you see, received forgiveness from God for your sinful desires? I've spoken with many of you, and I trust that the vast majority of you have. And yet you still must examine your hearts and your life. You should seek to be this blessed man. That is one of the reasons why David says, how blessed. He wants to draw your attention to this blessing. He wants you, Spirit wants you, to seek full forgiveness from God in Christ. You must have your transgressions, sin, and iniquity be forgiven. For we all have those, and we all need forgiveness for it. And so, thanks, I, I would encourage you. Examine your hearts. Do you have this full forgiveness? You must have it. You must seek it. David, in the psalm, tells us not only that we ought to seek full forgiveness, 
We must also seek free forgiveness. Look at verses 3 through 7. We are to seek the blessing of free forgiveness. David gives us here an example, an experiential example of the forgiveness which he has received. He says that when he kept silent about his sin, his bones, his body wasted away through his groaning. David, <coughs> excuse me, David, after sinning, kept his mouth shut. We don't know exactly which sin this was. Some commentators have posited that perhaps it was uh, that same sin that David repents of in Psalm 51. Uh, others are not sure. But the fact of the matter is that David had sinned a sin. And what did he do? Was he, was he seeking the blessing of forgiveness? Or was he doing something else? He says here that he kept silent about his sins. And the result of that was groaning. Conviction of sin came to David. Because of his silence, his body was dried up. His body wasted away. Uh, verse 4 says his vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Uh, perhaps you have experienced something along these lines. Perhaps you have, in your life, sinned and then kept silent about it. You thought, perhaps, you could make it better on your own. You thought, perhaps, that though you had sinned, maybe you could re-earn the Lord's favor by your own good works. So you kept silent. And in that silence, your body wasted away. Conviction of sin was heavy upon you. This too, as strange as it seems, is a blessing from God. This too, this conviction of sin. For Psalm 32 says in verse 4 that day and night your hand was heavy upon him. It was the Lord's hand that was heavy upon David, causing this suffering. The Lord would not allow his saint to continue in this unrepentant state of sin. Lord does not do that for his people. He chastises us as children. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. This is a great blessing. This is part of experiencing the free forgiveness of God, conviction of sin. I would submit to you that if you have sin, that you are keeping silent about, that you are holding on to, and you do not have conviction of that sin, you really ought to cry out to the Lord now, right this second. It is those whom the Lord loves that he chastises. This conviction of sin is God's gift of grace to his people. If you do not feel conviction of your sins, I would submit to you that perhaps you do not have the forgiveness of God. So I would urge you, cry out to the Lord. Ask him to convict you of sin. Children, ask the Lord to convict you of sin, to teach you 
what it is to hate sin, to lead you in his way so that you would see sin for all of its uh, heinousness. That's part of what we confess together in our confession of faith, isn't it? In, in repentance unto life. In repentance unto life, we, we see the filthiness and the odiousness of sin because it's contrary to God's holy nature and his righteous law. Ask the Lord to show to you the filthiness, the foulness, the odiousness of sin is repugnant. You wouldn't rub mud all over yourself. Well, children might. And then get bathed and go jump in the mud puddle again. We need to be washed of our sin. We need to realize, just as it would be disgusting for you to go dive into a filthy sewer, so also it is to dive into sin after you have been washed by the blood of Christ. And so this conviction is part of the free forgiveness of God. And so also is confession of sin. After the Lord convicted David of sin, he says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Thankfully, due to the conviction of his sin. David confessed his sins to the Lord. This psalm tells you that if you are being convicted of sin, you must go to the Lord and confess your sin. You should not sit there and bear under the wasting away of your body, the draining away of your vitality. The Lord bids you come to him and confess your sins. And like David, he offers forgiveness. And this is why this is free forgiveness. David did not earn this forgiveness. What does he do? He acknowledges his sin. He confesses his transgression. Was there a work that David did there? There was none. David apprehended the mercy and goodness of God. He knew that God's promised Messiah would come to forgive his sin, and he went to the Lord after his conviction. He confessed his sin, throwing himself upon the mercy of God. You must do the same. Dear saints, you must throw yourself on the mercy of God. There is no good deed. There is no work that you can accomplish that will get you God's forgiveness. It is free grace. You may come to Jesus without money and buy because he offers it freely. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come then to Jesus. Not try and work out your salvation. Our New Testament reading in Romans chapter 4, we read of Abraham and his faith. Abraham brought no works to the Lord. 
And that is why Paul drew on Psalm 32, saying that Abraham received the blessing of forgiveness. Abraham brought no works to the Lord. He had faith, and God credited to him as righteous. David brought no works to the Lord. He had faith, and in faith he confessed his sins and repented, and the Lord gave him forgiveness. My dear saints, do you have faith in the Lord Jesus? Are you trusting in his perfect propitiatory sacrifice for you? Are you looking to him alone for salvation? If so, you can go to him when you sin. You must go to him when you sin for forgiveness. It is free forgiveness. You must seek this free forgiveness. That is what David says in verses 6 and 7. He says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. David says, In light of this free forgiveness which God has given me, I urge you, those of you who will read this psalm, those of you who will sing this psalm, those of you who are godly, who are the covenant people of God, pray to the Lord in a time when he may be found. Today is the day of salvation, what David says. He urges you to come to the Lord now with confession. You must come to the Lord now in a time when God may be found. Flood of great waters. The day of judgment is not the time to come to the Lord for forgiveness. There are those who think that. There are those who say, well, I'll have my sinful fun now. And down the road, that's when I'll ask God for forgiveness. On my deathbed, I'll get in by the skin of my teeth, they think. No, that is not what the godly are to do. You, my dear saints, are to go to the Lord now, in the time when he may be found now, seeking forgiveness in Christ Jesus now. It is today that you must seek this full and free forgiveness. And so when you come under conviction of your sins, when you understand the filthiness of what you have just done, don't keep silent. Don't bury it down. Don't try and cover over yourself with your fig leaves of self-righteousness. In that day, in that hour, at that moment, flee to Christ Jesus. Cover yourself with his righteousness. Going before him, confessing your sins, acknowledging them, repenting of them, so that you may have this forgiveness, that you may have in him, as verse 7 says, a hiding place, preservation from trouble, and one who surrounds you with songs of deliverance. The Lord Jesus Christ is a great and merciful Savior. He will be your hiding place and your preserver from trouble. He will be the one who delivers you, who surrounds you with those songs of deliverance. 
flee to him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Do not wait. Take refuge in God. And in light of this forgiveness, full and free, we see also that this forgiveness, this blessing forgiveness, is one which is life-changing. Verses 8 through 11, we shift. We see then instructions of what the forgiven person does, what the truly forgiven does with their life. They seek the blessing of life-changing forgiveness. Look with me at verses 8 through 11. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. In verses 8 and 9, we are told that the forgiven man is one whose life is changed so that they receive instruction from the Lord. In verse 8, we see the shift wherein the Lord speaks to us through David's writing, and he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. This is intimate and personal, isn't it? You parents, perhaps you have done the same thing with your children when teaching them how to do something for the first time. Do you just say, here's the instructions, have at it? No, you, you counsel them, you guide them, you watch them as they do that so that you can correct them, so that you can move them as they ought to go so that they can accomplish the task which they have been given. In the same way, the Lord instructs you and guides you and counsels you in the way you should go. Those who are forgiven, those who have a new heart which loves the Lord and His law, are counseled by it, are, are directed by it. The Lord directs His people in the way that they should go, showing them that path of righteousness, that holy life that those who are forgiven pursue. Those who have repented unto life taken hold of the mercies of God and endeavor to holy living. That is what David says here, that the Lord directs us. And he cautions you not to be as the horse or the mule which need a bit and bridle. Now children, perhaps those of you who know about horses know what a bit and bridle is. A bit goes in the horse's mouth, right? And when you want the horse to go one way, you, you pull on the reins on the bridle and it causes irritation in the horse's mouth. It kind of hurts. The horse moves its head this way and its whole body follows. If you want to go the other way, you go the other way and the horse moves the other direction because there is irritation and pain in its mouth. Psalm 32 says, don't be like that. You should not need to have pain and irritation to follow the Lord. Now, thankfully, as, as we saw, he will convict you of sin, and it can be very painful, and thank God for it. But we must not be irritated and pained by obedience to God's law. No, we must not be foolish as a horse and mule. 
We are to follow after God willingly, faithfully, as one uh, who is a child of God, whom the Lord instructs and counsels with his eye upon them. So I would encourage you not to be as the horse and mule. Do not require irritation and pain to follow the Lord. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you have been forgiven, follow after Him joyfully. Obey Him joyfully as your act of reasonable worship because He has been kind to you. Do not be, as verses 10, as verse 10 says, as the wicked who have many sorrows. The wicked have many sorrows. The wicked must endure much pain and grief. You might not think it looking at their life. The wicked prosper many times, don't they? Why would the psalmist say that the wicked have sorrows? He falls up in verse 10. He who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. The wicked have sorrows because they do not have the loving kindness of the Lord. They do not have that covenant faithfulness of God. Yes, they may prosper materially. They may not have that pain of conviction of their sins. Neither do they have forgiveness in Christ. The wicked are sorrowful indeed, but you who trust in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround you. The Lord is faithful to his people. The Lord faithfully guides his people. The Lord faithfully convicts his people of sin because he loves them and cares for them. Therefore, verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. The joy of the redeemed. Those who have the loving kindness of the Lord surrounding them. The joy of the redeemed is the Lord himself. And therefore, you can be glad and you can rejoice. You can shout for joy. Because... The full, free, and life-changing forgiveness of God. You are made one of the righteous ones. You've been given the righteousness of Christ, clothed in spotless robes, washed in his precious blood. And therefore, you righteous ones, be glad and rejoice. You who are upright in heart, shout for joy. Though you may not feel upright in heart, you no longer have a heart of stone. If you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a heart of flesh. It's a good heart. Though you still have that presence of sin in your life, you have an upright heart with which you can shout for joy to the Lord who offers you forgiveness, who has given you forgiveness, and who will give you forgiveness when you go to him and ask for it. So, Dear saints, I would encourage you, seek after the Lord in his word. He says that he will instruct you, and he counsels you, or he tells you not to be as the horse and the mule, 
in order for you to know the way you should go, you must know his word. You must know what he has commanded you to do. You must be instructed and counseled by the word of God, which is the means which he uses to teach you the way in which you should go. So read the word of the Lord. Read the scriptures. Study them. Listen to them read. Listen to them preached. Do what it says to do. Do not be hearers only, but also be doers. And when you learn what the Lord requires you to do, that duty which he requires you to do, obey him. Follow after him. Learn what you are to believe concerning God. Learn what duty he requires of you. And undertake that task joyfully because of the forgiveness which he has given you in Christ. Saints, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. This psalm ought to make your heart sing with praise. The Lord offers forgiveness. How great and glorious is that? In Jesus Christ there is forgiveness, so rejoice. If you are a covenant member, if you have God's covenant love surrounding you, you have blessing more than anything else. This great kindness of his should cause you to be joyful more than anyone else. And so rejoice in that joy. Dear saints, life-changing experiences are fantastic. They're good. If you have gone on a diet and benefited from it, that is excellent. And you should tell other people how they might profit from that. But more than that, more needed than that, more necessary for us than diet and exercise and all those other things which are very beneficial to us, more needful is the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ. We see that he offers it to you. It's a full forgiveness, forgiving sins of commission, forgiving sins of omission, forgiving even your sinful desires. We see that it is a free forgiveness, as the example of David taught us. You must simply go to Christ for forgiveness. It is free. We see also that it is a life-changing forgiveness, that those who have received this forgiveness, those are the ones whom the Lord instructs and counsels. He guides them by his word. Saints, seek after that forgiveness, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what is needful. That full, free, life-changing forgiveness. If you have not received that forgiveness, fly to Jesus. Turn to him in faith and repentance, seeking the forgiveness offered in him. If you have received it, praise him. Thank him for it. Sing joyfully to the Lord. Avail yourself of it and follow after him faithfully. Teach others to do the same. Teach them the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we receive the blessing of full, free, and life-changing forgiveness. Let's pray. 
Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.